0: Hi, I'm Callie Miller. Growing up in an alcoholic home requires us to tell lies to ourselves and to others. And I've learned over the years that these lies can become toxic, that these secrets can literally make us sick, that what we never look at can never be healed, and that telling our stories and saying out loud what has happened to us can open the door to our healing. That's why I created this podcast, this space, so we can have a safe place to share our stories. You are not alone. And this is the Change of Air podcast. When I think back on past years, years before I fully understood all of the profound ways being a child of an alcoholic affects you, it seems to me now that I was living my life well below the surface. I worked hard at a prestigious and well-paying job. I had lovely friends. I took amazing trips. I made great dinners and I threw great parties for those I love in my life. All outward signs of a life well-lived. If you had seen me then, if you had come to my dinner parties, you would have thought, well, look at her go. She's happy. She has a full life, a great job, great friends, She's connected to them all. She looks really happy. Look at her go. But it is the strangest thing. I realize now I was so many layers below the surface that I never really connected with anyone in the way that I could have, in the way that I do now, in full awareness of my ACOA-ness, in full knowledge of who I am as a person. I was so out of touch with myself after doing whatever it took to navigate my alcoholic home, that even in my dearest relationships, I could not fully express what I needed or even understand who I was enough to know what I needed. And that breaks my heart a bit. Lovely humans that I adore were meeting me with their above-the-surface selves, and I didn't even know how much space there was between us Because the distance I had to travel to heal, to pierce through all the layers of pain and understanding, was too great. And I didn't even know. I had a wall of damage around me, a sound layer of protection I wasn't even aware I carried around. And so when you met me then, when you loved me then, even when I was giving everything back, even when I seemed to be up at the surface with you, I was still deep in the depths of my own unknowing. I didn't realize I wasn't meeting you at the surface. I thought I was. The good news? I'm at the surface now. The sun on my face, the light reflecting off the water, fresh air in my lungs. I know who I am. It has taken me many years to sort, but I am here the less good news, without ever understanding why. I lost wonderful relationships. I lost people I adore. I could see in their faces a confusion often, perhaps even an understanding on their part that I was not quite ready for life in the way that they were. And I didn't know it. And I, it wasn't my fault. But I have carried the shame of this inability to be pre-healed for so long now that I'm wanting to speak about it so that I can finally let it go. I share all of this with you today, not so we can have a cry fest, sorry, (laughs) but I share it with you today because I want you to know how it can look, the before you realize and the after, before you heal and get in touch with yourself and after, I felt so behind for so long, while also for a period of time, felt like I was present in my life and I did not understand when friends and boyfriends and colleagues would look at me and I could see a look. I, I knew we are very aware of our surroundings as ACOAs, but that is a survival technique we've developed I could see that they were looking at me in a strange way. I knew I was doing something, but I really thought I was right up there with them. I did not at all understand the distance between us because I had, you know, like 32 layers of, you know, survival bubble wrap around me and no one could get close enough, even though I thought I was right there outside of my bubble wrap with them. Even in healing, I had to come to terms with that. That all the people who tried to love me and all the people who tried to be close to me, I still had my bubble wrap on. A a foot of it. Three. Twenty. Maybe a mile of bubble wrap around me. So our connection was always that far away. But I didn't realize it. So in healing and in realizing it finally, I have had to mourn past friendships and relationships that didn't survive my own protective barrier that I didn't know I had. And we often hear, certainly in relationships with an alcoholic, whether that alcoholic is a family member, a friend, a partner, we often hear, or when someone is getting sober, we often hear those relationships didn't survive. Makes sense. You were drinking, you had your drinking buddies, you're sober, can't hang out with drinking buddies. That makes sense. But what is often not talked about is that relationships often don't survive our own healing, not because those people were bad for us. It's that we had too much bubble wrap for them at the time. Not their fault. Not ours. And for me, that has been the most bittersweet. There's no fault to assign. There's no anger to work through. There's just a sadness, a profound sadness of realizing I wasn't able Now, is there anger at my parents and what I grew up in? Of course, and we've talked through that. Anger when we take our ACEs test and see the score. Anger anytime we bump up against in our lives. The realization that, ah, I do this because of the home I grew up in. That is our daily experience, right? We recognize constantly, oh, I'm triggered because of this, so I've got to do this. Like We have to do an entire extra level of processing that I don't think many people appreciate, we can certainly appreciate it together because we know what it takes. But mourning these relationships and realizing what could have been had I perhaps been, you know, not encased in bubble wrap is really hard and it's really sad. And I share this with you because this isn't often talked about and I think sometimes we can be afraid to heal and start this process because we don't want to see this or feel this. And this is not fun. It's not a fun feeling. I had girlfriends who we we are no longer friends, who we did everything together. We got ready for dates together. We talked about boys together. We um, went shopping together, worked out together, stayed up all night giggling together, shared our deepest secrets together. But as... I navigated my alcoholic parents. They had that same look on their faces. Often, that sort of like, oh, Callie, we're so sorry for you. I remember one often said, oh, Callie, you're such a work of art. And it never felt good. And it never felt like a compliment. I was often told, oh, you're so serious. Why can't you lighten up? You're always so serious. I mean, hello, 13 characteristics of adult children of alcoholics. But I didn't know why. I didn't know why I couldn't lighten up. I was so out of touch with myself that I looked to other people's feedback towards me as information about me. And if they thought I was, ha ha, you're a work of art, meaning, I don't know, you're, you're very weird, but I guess we'll still hang out with you. Or how come you're so serious? How come you can't lighten up? I, I received that as negative information about myself. My grandmother passed. I had a friend go through something very terrible and life-threatening. And those girlfriends kept making it a thing. Why can't you lighten up? What's wrong with you? Um, We're not friends anymore. That was a very good setting boundary thing that I learned. But it was the same everywhere. It was the same at work. It was the same in romantic relationships. It was the same with almost every situation in my life. I was operating in deep, water, far under the surface. But I thought I was right at the top, right at the surface of the waves on my surfboard, on my boogie board. Like I thought I was right up there with them. And I couldn't understand the disconnect. And I didn't even know how to name it. And I wasn't even conscious there was a disconnect. I don't even think I had the words for that in my 20s. But i I definitely could not understand why people I felt like people were treating me differently now I know why I had layers and layers of bubble wrap and as you use the tools that I'm sharing we can get wrapped up I can get wrapped up in making sure you have the tools you know how to use them I have so many podcast episodes recorded and planned all around the tools So that you have access to every tool I didn't have access to. So you can get to them quickly. So it doesn't take you all the years it took me. So that you can heal much faster. It has encouraged me so much to see the Change of Air community grow and expand. And to see how many of you are so much younger than me. Getting access to this information so much sooner. That is my greatest wish. That makes me so happy. But no matter your age... We can get so wrapped up in the tools and the healing modalities and the research and the science that I want to make sure all of you have because they're so important and they helped me, but the tools are tools and healing is healing and healing has some side effects that don't ever get talked about. So I wanted to spend a little time today interjecting a podcast episode, not in the flow of all the tools I wanted to share with you because this just felt so important. The tools I'm sharing... And hopefully you listen to every single podcast episode uh, from now, moving forward, so you get all those tools. They will help you with healing. They will help you get in touch with all of the survival techniques and behaviors we developed to heal, to protect ourselves. Then, not to heal per se, but what we developed to protect ourselves, all the tools I'm sharing with you will help you heal. But there are side effects of healing, and that's not talked about. There are regrets. There's shame. There's feeling that you missed out on so much, so very much. I get it. You may, even, if you're like me, be wishing for the before time. You might catch yourself thinking, it was easier then before I knew all of this. When things still felt funky, but you weren't yet cracked open, so you didn't quite feel the way you do now. I was numb to what was ahead of me. I sometimes, even now, wish I could go back there. It's easier to not look at all of this, right? It's it's easy to, easier to not feel all of this. Now, did I know that I was the child of an alcoholic mother and eventually a stepfather? Yes. I always knew that. Running around with my girlfriends in my 20s, even though they were giving me weird looks, Saying, why can't you lighten up? I knew intellectually, yes, I grew up in an alcoholic home. I knew that. It's not as if I pretended that wasn't the case. It's not as if I didn't know that. Anyone who asked, I would speak very plainly about that. But I would speak plainly about it in a very detached way. And the story I told myself at the time was that I had beat it or, wow, I handled this really well. Uh, I survived and now it's all over. I got married, I had a lovely wedding, I had a demanding job. I thought I was doing a great job at my job, which I was, but now I see I was people pleasing like hell, but I didn't even know that was a thing or why I would people please. Because I had no sense of the effects, the long-term behavior effects and disconnection effects of growing up in my alcoholic home. And I miss the not knowing (laughs) a little bit and so if you're experiencing that at any point in your healing, if you sort of long for the day that you were not yet totally aware, I understand that. There were signs even then. I would date people who would trigger me and I would burst into tears at, at really, not, it totally inappropriate to the situation things. In hindsight, now I understand what was going on. But then I just thought, huh, I guess I don't like him. He's not for me. I didn't take it any deeper. So I was sort of living on the surface of my feelings while living way below the surface of the water. Um, Bubble wrap, protective bubble wrap can do weird things until we're ready to take off the bubble wrap and examine why we had it. And then live life post bubble wrap, which we'll talk about as well. But there were definitely signs. In relationships, um, at work, I often called in sick. And I remember going to the bookstore to read books on what to do with your life. Like I would literally call in sick to work so that I could go read about other work because clearly I was, those were like the early beginnings of like, I don't want to do this. I don't feel good here. But even then I just viewed that as, oh, I want to make a career switch. I didn't view it as there's probably some very intense ACOA stuff going on that I should look at. I felt intense pressure to perform at work But I didn't feel I could say that, say anything to anyone about anything. I just took everything that was given to me. I took all the work on. I didn't complain. I didn't even know how to kind of advocate for myself or say what I was feeling in an organized, structured way that wasn't an outburst. Another sign. But I didn't see it. I thought it was all normal. Um, I exercised incessantly. I ate very little food. Always obsessively checking my gene size, making sure it was very low. I spent excessively when I started earning a lot of money, something I'm paying for even now. I don't earn that money. Uh, A future episode for sure. ACOAs and money is a major, major thing. I even felt it was important to dress beautifully. I remember I would buy lovely jewelry, have beautiful heels and lingerie. I'd dress up many times a week, go out with friends, meet amazing new people. I showered regularly. I washed my hair often. I did not need an app to brush my teeth then. I put on makeup. And I was what seemed like a proper human out in the world. And I did that for so long. And I know we're in COVID now. So all of that sounds magic to all of us after a year of not going anywhere. But I can tell you plainly, ever since I started to heal... Earnestly, really reading all the books, really doing this work. I don't preen and dress up and shop and adorn myself in the same way. Some of that is because I can now see that at the time, a lot of that was not for me, and it was people pleasing behavior. And that part of it is I'm dealing with heavier things now, and I need an app to <laughs> brush my. <laughs> I need to brush my teeth. There was a whole life I lived before I understood all of this, and sometimes I mourn that life and I miss it. And in case all of this sounds very doom and gloom, I'm sharing this with you today, not just to let you know if you miss your old life before you healed. Not the craziness. I do, do not miss my parents fighting and screaming. I don't miss uh, trying to protect my brother in his room. I don't miss sneaking around the back way to the kitchen refrigerator so that I could get us food and race it back to our bedrooms. I don't miss not knowing what I was going to come home to. I don't miss having to tell every friend you can't come to my house because God knows what's waiting for me in my house. I don't miss any of that. I'm not talking about my life in my childhood home growing up. I'm talking about my 20s and my 30s where I, early 30s, I certainly started figuring things out around 35. I'm talking about those 15 years or so where I was an adult living on my own and just disconnected enough that it was easier obviously I was entirely disconnected from myself and I wasn't even really being myself which is horrible um but I I understand so well that sort of wistfulness for a time when you knew just a little bit less about all your stuff (laughs) so if that's you I understand it but I also want to share this because there is a beautiful bright side to healing. This is not doom and gloom. Hey, you shouldn't heal because you're going to really miss your old life. It's more that yes, that's possible to really grieve some past relationships that you realize like even my divorce, I won't get into all of the details to be very respectful to both of us, but that broke my heart and it was not wanted and it was not expected. All these years later, I realized one, that was the event that cracked me open to all of the healing, that, all the messy bits that I just wasn't looking at for years. But I also see that we were both two lovely people with a lot of bubble wrap around us, trying their damnedest. And until you know you have bubble wrap, uh, you, you don't know how to remove it. You don't even know it's there. So that's the beauty of, I get the wistfulness. I do miss that simpler time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't in any way go back now now that I know what life can be like without my bubble wrap, even though it took many years, I felt like I popped one bubble at a time and slowly uncoiled that giant bubble wrap from around me. It took a long time to show up in the world with a no bubble wrap. And that's a whole series of episodes we'll get into. Some of the tools help with that. Some of the tools that I've been sharing. But there is this beautiful side to healing. And it's something that I've learned over the past year or two. Which is that some of those parts of you that you loved back then, they don't need to be not part of you now. You can integrate parts of yourself back into now the current non-bubble-wrapped you. That might be obvious to you. It was not obvious to me. I felt like I had to shed all of who I was so that I could understand who I actually am. And in doing that, I like cut off limbs. I cut off whole parts of me just so I had enough resources and energy to focus on what was going on now what was coming up what were my survival behaviors why do I get triggered at work when someone asks me to do something why do I uh, how come I don't know how to have fun why do I assume every weird look is negative and is about me Why? Why do I need an app to brush my teeth now? Um, All of those things take up so much of our mental time and energy when we're also trying to show up at work, trying to be better humans, trying to be better partners, better friends, better family members. It's a lot to do all of that and sort of go reach into the the distant past and grab forward parts of yourself that you loved. And I view it as a sign of my own healing that I've now been able to say, like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll give you an example. So I recently watched a lovely documentary called The Booksellers about the antique book market. Very niche. (laughs) I realize that's not what this podcast is about. But in watching one, I obviously chose to watch it. And in watching it, I had this profound realization that I used to have a book blog. It's not that I forgot, but I hadn't thought about it in so long. I wrote about books. Every day for many, many years. I interviewed famous writers for many years. I covered the Los Angeles book scene in Los Angeles for LAist for many years. I went to every reading in Los Angeles. I read tons of fiction. I loved books. I was a lit major. I think I certainly thought at some point in my early career, when I was working at literary agents, that I would write a novel myself someday or maybe 10. That was an entire part of my life. I was dating a literary agent at the time. Like, I really loved books. And watching this documentary, which like obviously some part of me called me to see this documentary, and I realized, God, what is it? Like why? I realized that for the last six or seven years, while I used to read a novel every week, I haven't read novels in like six or seven years. Now, I read books, tons of books. We've talked about all the books. But I've been reading healing books. I've been reading trauma books. I've been reading, you know, in our current political climate, a lot of like, you know, how to save democracy books. I've been reading a lot of racial injustice books and how we can address those major, major fundamental issues in our country. But I've also been reading a lot of trauma books. So I've been reading. But it's almost as if in deciding to heal... I shed this entire part of me that loves reading novels, like that fun adventure of getting a new book. I'm I'm such a nerd for books, and I always have been. When we do lives, which we're going to start doing soon, you'll see where I do my podcast and where I work all day, and there's a huge room full of books. But I hadn't bought a novel or read a novel in the longest stretch of my life. And what else was going on during that period of time? I was healing in a really dedicated, focused way. I was building change of air. And I wanted to be sure that I knew all the things for myself and so that I could share them with others. So not a bad thing that I've been reading about trauma for years. But I missed, in watching this documentary, I realized, ah, there was this whole part of my life that I just sort of like, turned my back on, almost as if I undid a couple layers of my bubble wrap, I just flung off that part of myself. And for a while, I felt really sad. Oh, I, I loved that that me. I loved that part of me. And I don't know why it wasn't obvious, but then a couple weeks ago, I thought, oh, yeah, I can I can just integrate that part of me back. I don't need to not be a person who reads novels anymore. I can maybe read one trauma book a month and maybe three novels instead of just trauma, trauma, trauma. So I did that. A couple weeks ago, I ordered from my favorite independent bookstore in Los Angeles, I ordered a stack of books. They arrived. I've read two of them. And what a wonderful thing, not just to to sort of lose myself in a novel again, not be excited about it. The adventure, just I, I love sentences. I love how people write. I, it's a whole thing. It wasn't just the excitement of reading novels. It was the excitement of getting back a part of myself that for whatever reason, I thought I had to shed or couldn't have back, that like the healing didn't allow for it. That may not be the case for you, but the, and there might be other things. where We're not all nerdy novel readers as myself, um, but there might be something for you, some behavior that you used to love, but that in healing, you one, didn't have time and space for in your heart and in your mind. This is real work. It takes all the free time we have, and we don't have a lot of free time. But there might be some things, some activity, if if it was hiking for you, if it was, I don't know, any hobby or anything that brought you joy in the past, but is somehow muddled with other icky bits in the past, just encourage you to think about that. And are there things you used to do that you love that maybe are tinged with a breakup or in my case, a divorce or even, you know, girlfriends who were mean? Um... What are those things that maybe you discarded? I think of it like kind of like an elimination diet. I work with a lot of nutrition doctors um, every day, as I think I told you before. And there's something called the elimination diet, which is essentially when you are having gut issues, health issues, inflammation issues, headaches, anything, anything that a health coach or a doctor may think is related to food, what they do is say, okay, we're going to put you back to like a basic diet you're going to eat these things it's not a diet for weight loss it's nothing to do with that but it's really just to understand what foods are causing this reaction in your body and you start with the basics and you do that for a period of weeks it's sort of no sugar no alcohol no dairy I think getting it wrong the doctors I work with are, are probably going to roll their eyes if they hear this but you get the point that ultimately you go to a base level of kind of the barest minimum most bland least least likely foods to create a reaction in your body and I think about healing from trauma and healing from our particular alcoholic homes in the same way. It's almost as if once we realized, holy hell, we really need to heal, we kind of had to go back to elimination diet mode. Like just the bare minimum. Like I got it, like I can't have spicy foods anymore. Clearly, in my case, I thought that meant I can't read novels anymore. Just this sort of shedding of. All unnecessary things because we needed all of our resources to focus on like resetting, bringing in a new calm, normal brown rice, not spicy foods, probably not tomatoes, not acid. And then, slowly, once you've done that for a period of weeks, the equivalent here in ACOA Healing Land would be a period probably of years, you can slowly start adding foods back in. And then you can see how that food. Oh, I did add back in the onions. Whew, yep, the onions were the thing. I guess I can't eat onions. Similarly, I feel like I'm at a place where I'm starting to add back in some of those onion. I love onions, and I also am not supposed to be eating them. Um, but I- I'm adding back in some onions with my novels. And so I don't know what that is for you. But I wanted to share that with you because I think in sharing, even I do this and sharing the tools with you and making sure you know about yoga and breathwork and journaling and meditation and the ACEs test and the 13 characteristics and so many other things I already am going to be sharing with you in the very near future. I realized that tool after tool after tool does not address this thing that I my, myself have really been struggling with, which is kind of grieving my old simpler life before I knew I needed to heal. And then the sort of joy of the past year or so or even the past few weeks with my novels of reintegrating things back, things that I did love. Just because I'm healing now doesn't mean I can't have those things. And in fact, I feel like I've gotten to a place in healing where I'm able. I have room. Maybe not all my resources are going to healing. But I have a little room now for one trauma book a month and like two novels, right? Three novels instead of all trauma books or all intense books in that way. I'm ready for novels again. I also started doing this with clothing. I used to dress up, look nice, do my hair, all those sorts of things. And there were very certain like clothes and shoes that I loved and that I got rid of. And then, I don't know, about a year ago, I discovered Poshmark and I could find the exact things that I had that I had gotten rid of. And I thought, oh, how fun. Oh, that's right. I had that skirt or oh, I loved that sweater or that jacket. Didn't necessarily buy them all back again just to relive my younger self but just to sort of re-get in touch with oh that's right there were all these parts of me that I loved that in my elimination diet healing mode I had to sort of shed not consciously by the way it's not like I was like okay I need to heal so I got to get rid of the novels and I got to stop getting dressed and maybe I should stop washing my hair Um, it didn't happen that way, obviously it's not how it happens, but all of a sudden when something cracks us open and we realize how much is stored in our bodies and how much healing there is to be done, we unconsciously start shedding things because there's just not, we don't have the resources, the emotional resources to kind of navigate all of that at once. And so things just slid off my radar and now I'm adding some things back to my radar In both examples, adding novels, adding in like, oh, that's right, I loved those heels or that really cute skirt. Adding those things back in, I have felt so much joy in being able to reconnect with the old parts of me that I loved but had discarded when I was in deep healing mode. What a joy to rediscover my love of novels and like the loveliest skirts and shoes and sandals, my love of live music, just all these different things that I just sort of felt I didn't have room for. In order to heal, I turned inward and I shed a lot of the old parts of me, almost as if I needed to get rid of most of them just to kind of make it, just to even get through the healing and i had to shed part of that to understand what was like truly true about me versus what was maybe a survival behavior that needed to be rewired and changed it has been the most wonderful profound realization that i get to bring back and get back in touch with parts of me that i loved then we all heal differently but i suspect many of you have experienced at least some part of this the recognition now that you're healing Of how much time you feel you lost the relationships you lost because of the protective barrier we had around us that we weren't even aware of we didn't know about our bubble wrap and i suspect many of you have also had a form of abandoning yourself all the parts only to realize in some of your healing now oh i really liked that part of me how about we do more of that again let's bring that forward let's bring it back this is healing It's jagged and circular and then a drop off a cliff and then an aha moment and then relief over and over again. It's not always pretty. I wanted to make sure that I share that with you today in a world that's full of, you know, a lot of positive Instagram quotes about healing. This part, this truth is not often talked about. The good news We get to walk this wild and jagged and beautiful and worthwhile healing path together. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time.